Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Maybe Baby episode six. How are we doing? Kate Lawler here. And I'm Bodge. Now, this week's episode couldn't be more timely because just a few days ago, England went back into lockdown for four whole weeks. Did it? Yeah, have you not read the news? No, I just, I didn't notice. <laughs> didn't notice at all. Such, such small news. I should have told you. I was wondering why we didn't go out for dinner <laughs> or anything. Why do you say anything? Anything, well, instead of anything. No, instead of anything. I think it's Eastern European parents. I think you just go, anything. Why? What does your mum say? I mean, that's really every episode. <laughs> every episode we do an impression of mum and then I get a text going, episode good, you are disgusting. No, she doesn't. No, she she doesn't. always says, listen, good. Bad impression. How does your mum say anything? Anything. Does she? <laughs> Why do I say it like that? How have I not noticed that? I've been going out with you for seven years. No, no, you did notice this about five years ago. Did I? I remember once we were in bed and you went, why do you say anything, anything, anything? I can't, I don't know. Just stop it or the wedding's off. Right, okay. So lockdown's happening and that's kind of handy for this episode because it's all about pregnancy in lockdown. Pregnant in a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Pregnancy during a global health pandemic. Conception during COVID. Just love the way you say that like a garage MC. <laughs> Can I get a vaccine? <laughs> when I say quarren, you say teen. Go on then. <laughs> Who let the virus out? We're <laughs> <Stop. laughs> <laughs> oh, making light of a situation here. COVID during conception. All right, enough. So, um... I don't know about you, but lockdown the sequel, it doesn't feel as scary. It's certainly not as strict. We went out yesterday and the park, it was like a festival. Yeah. Never seen so many people. No music. But I have shed a few tears recently because when we started trying for a baby at the end of May, it didn't even cross my mind that we might go back into lockdown, that you might not be able to come to hospital with me for appointments, that you might not even be at the birth. I never even thought for a second that some of my friends might never like touch my bump and sadly that's now a reality for me and for millions of others so yeah I did get a little bit emotional do you know it's, it's just nothing I'd ever thought of but I can totally see that and I want to see my family more yeah. now that I'm pregnant it kind of July and August I'm not even sure what the rules were I can't remember back that far it's just all a blur but we you know we saw people and there was more contact and it kind of felt like it was normal again and everyone was kind of all right and it and it's it's a shame that now at this point like we're going into this stage again. I know. Change for me as well now that I'm clinically vulnerable. Oh, this is, yeah. <laughs> this, I feel like you're really milking this personally. No, the boss told me on Monday that I can't work from Virgin Radio at London Bridge despite doing all my shows from there in the first lockdown because bun in the oven. Yeah, in, in an office though, not on the bridge. You're oh, not yeah, like was... one of those gargoyles on the edge <laughs> with the microphone. Yeah, we do actually have radio studios in London Bridge. Yeah. But I'm clinically vulnerable now that I'm pregnant. So Virgin Radio's drive time show 
um, until December the 2nd is coming from our kitchen. Yeah. And now I'm clinically vulnerable that I have to spend this much time with you. You're so bloody funny. <laughs> you should be a comedian. <laughs> I personally love working from home. I've got the dogs either side of me. I don't have to sit next to knobheads on the tube who refuse to wear masks. I thought you were going to say in the office there because they probably listen to this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just idiots on the tube who won't wear masks. Yeah. Uh, plus, I can do the show in my dressing gown. You don't, though, do you? No, it's I at four o'clock. I if haven't. you were still in your dressing gown at four o'clock, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> We'd be having words. Anyway, seeing as we are going to be having a baby during the biggest health challenge of our generation, we thought we'd speak to somebody who's already done it earlier this year. We'll be back after our chat with this week's guest, the lovely Sarah Jane Mee. Today's guest is somebody I feel I have a lot of parallels with. She was pregnant during lockdown. She works as a presenter and she loves her football. I couldn't find out who you supported online, Sarah, so if it's Spurs, you can get out now. Um, no comment. <laughs> are you a Spurs fan? I am, yeah. What well, are the this, chances? Well, this was nice. It was lovely to meet you. Uh, joking aside, she's had a stellar career in TV and she's now embarking on another journey that she's sure to smash. Motherhood to her beautiful daughter, Ray. Her pregnancy wasn't without issue, though. She faced difficulties in her third trimester. So to tell us all about having her very own lockdown lady, it's Sarah Jamie. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Oh, it's so nice to see you both. Congratulations. Thank you. I've been listening to this podcast and following your journey. And when your announcement came out, I literally did a fist pump in the air. No. I was so <laughs> delighted for you. Because like you said, we've got parallels, mm. Kate. And I really felt like you've reached the point that I did. So it was really exciting. So I couldn't wait to talk to you about it. Well, congratulations to you too. Yeah. Thank you to me as well, yeah. You yeah, have been a mum for a whole three months now. Well, huh? three and a half now. <gasps> Crikey. Although you'll find out that when you have a baby, everything happens in weeks. So she's 12 <laughs> weeks old. Yeah, I always I wondered re- this. There yeah. was, they were always like, oh, I'm, she's seven and a half weeks old. I'm just like, what? I, don't, I can't even fathom <laughs> those numbers. Start counting on your fingers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Why is that? I've got no idea. I think it's something to do with, it's, it's medical. They, they measure it in weeks. Well, we all measure months. in years, right? And you can't just keep going, well, she's zero years. She's zero. How old is she now? Well, she's still zero years. Like, something really important happens at six months. You're like, sorry, she's zero years. I don't know. She's zero until she's one. How much sleep have you had um, over the last few months? Um, well, I don't want to speak too soon, but I feel like we have reached a point where we are getting chunks of sleep. When Ray came home from hospital, she decided for the first week that she didn't fancy sleeping. At all? No, the midwife oh. did warn us not to treat a day like you would normally. So don't treat it as day and night. So, you know, don't think I'm going to go to bed at 10pm and wake up at 7. You have to treat it as 24 hours. Okay. And any time in that 24 hours, you might get a bit of sleep. Ray, in her first night in the hospital, didn't sleep at all, woke up every 20 minutes wanting to feed. Then when I got home and I had Ben to help me, because obviously he wasn't in the hospital with me, I went, it'll be much easier. No, that first night at home was the same. But gradually she sleeps a bit more. To the point now where we're probably getting four, five hour chunks of sleep at night. Do you divvy up between you? It's quite hard. In the beginning, Ben said, I really want to do as much as you. You know, we're in this Mm -hmm. 50-50 and that was the beauty (laughs) of lockdown. So I would feed her and then he would change her nappy and try and get her back down to sleep. Um, Now I've got her onto a bottle. I'm like, brilliant, you can do a night feed. That's not quite happened yet. No. (laughs) But to be fair to him, she's only been taking a bottle for a week. But it does really weird things to your brain not having enough sleep. There was one night where Ray cried and I was obviously so tired. I sort of slept through the initials because she starts off quite quietly and then gets really loud. (laughs) And Ben caught it just as it began. 
And he turned round from the cot to hand her to me. And I sort of had a cradling position with my arms and was cradling my own boobs. <laughs> and he went, what are you doing? I went, I'm feeding her. I'm feeding her. He was like, oh my no. And, and you also wake up looking for her under the covers. Honestly, your mind plays tricks on you yeah, with sleep yeah. deprivation. It's yeah, oh, I it's love crazy. That you thought your boobs were the baby. I mean, to be fair, from breastfeeding, they are the bigger than her head. So <laughs> they are whoppers. They're looking great today. Can I just say as well, Ray is beautiful. I the pictures you post on Instagram, oh. she's so pretty, isn't she? She's adorable. She is gorgeous. Although you spend most of your day looking at her, and then when she's asleep, you spend most of your time looking at pictures of her on your phone. And this morning, <laughs> we had a bit of a lie-in because we woke up before her. And I was looking at pictures on my phone. I just scrolled back really far and I went to Ben. Oh, my God, I understand it now. Because, you know, when you say all parents think their children are beautiful. Yeah. Mm. In the beginning, I went, we have got the best looking baby. Look at her. Look at her. And obviously, because I'd scrolled back so far, I looked at a picture and went, oh, my God, look at her. She was all boss-eyed, all wrinkly. Really? (laughs) And I went, oh, my God, I thought she looked really beautiful. She looks like a little plucked chicken. That happens a lot. Don't get me wrong. She was beautiful. She was cute. But it's just some of the angles. I took the photo of she had a big double chin, (laughs) boss-eyed. They weren't her best angles. But it just makes me laugh how much she'd changed because you see her every day and you don't notice it mm. until you scroll back in your phone and I warn you I hope you've got memory on your phone because mine is full <laughs> to the yeah. point where I think I'm just going to have to get a new phone because I can't delete any of the pictures I mean even my parents age I can't there's not many pictures of me as a baby dodgy but, yeah well <laughs> but what I mean is we take so many pictures now we can kind yeah. of track everything and back then it would be like oh have you got the wind up camera and I mean they're not from the 1890s but you know well, also you couldn't see the picture you'd taken whether it was a good one or not um, was she planned she was, yes. Um, ben and I had been together, oh gosh, uh, we'd been together a year and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben, from the get-go, you know, was talking about children. He He's already got a son, Teddy. And I've always said that I would only want children if I met the right person. And it wasn't until I met Ben that I started to think, oh, I think I've met the right person, which makes you kind of nervous because all the way along I thought, I, you know, I probably won't have children. And I'd sort of made my peace with that. I wasn't upset. You know, I, I just thought it, it wouldn't be for me because I didn't want to do it on my own. I, I didn't have that huge urge mm-hmm. to, to have a child. Uh, but Ben and I started talking about it early on. Uh, I was a little bit resistant because, you know, everybody said a child completely changes your life. And I quite like my life. And I'd only just met Ben. Um, but Ben is such an amazing dad. And when you see him with Teddy, who was five when I met him, he's now nearly seven. I just thought, oh, my God, the two of them are just so great together. I love being a part of this. They let me in and, you know, we made a great little trio. It'd be amazing to bring another child into this. And I felt confident that as nervous as I was about becoming a parent, because I'm, I'm pretty useless when it comes mm-hmm. to kids. Ben's got this. And that really made my decision for me is just making a lovely family. And that's always what it's been about for me. But I'd sort of got to a place where I thought it doesn't happen for everyone. If it doesn't happen for me, I've got a great life and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, we got to the year and a half stage and he was like, come on, let's do it. And I was like, (laughs) "Okay." (laughs) I've just got this idea now of Ben 
doing a proper sales pitch whenever he was with Teddy and you, like, look how oh. great a dad I am. <laughs> look at what you could have. The first you know time I, mean? I met Teddy, he sent him down the stairs to open the front door to me. And, it, you know, I was a bit nervous because obviously I was going to meet his son for the first time, who's the centre of his world. So I wanted to make a good impression. Yeah. And he sent Teddy down to answer the door with a bunch of flowers. So, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Oh, wow. The sales oh pitch was good. That is a power move. <laughs> was good. Yeah, Ben knows what he's doing. That is awesome. And also Teddy's so gorgeous. I knew that he made very, very cute children so it's you know it, it was a, a no on a primal level that yeah one. yeah I was like <laughs> yeah. we'll make a good baby mm. and we got raised so we did yeah. um, and you fell pregnant before any of us knew anything about COVID-19 life before lockdown mm. what was your life like because it's hard to remember what life was like before then I know uh, well I mean I remember it vividly because I was uh, it was Monday. I'd been to work and I was due to go on a two week holiday. It was one of those baby moons that everyone talks about. You know, you've got to get your last holiday in as yeah. a as a couple before the baby comes along. Uh, and we were due to go on the Wednesday. So I left work on the Monday afternoon, went, see you, everyone, you know, see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, and we sat down that night to watch the first prime minister's press conference about mm-hmm. covid and he announced that non-essential travel was not happening. So that our holiday went. And then he said pregnant women are now in the vulnerable category. So I got a phone call from my boss who said, well, we obviously won't be seeing you at work tomorrow. We'll, you know, we'll have to find a way of you working. But for now, you can't come into the studio. So it was a double whammy. Um, So, yeah, my life pretty much changed that Monday night. And so many questions. I mean, I mean, I don't think any of them are really answered for pregnant women now. A few maybe, but it's still such a a weird and uncertain time. So, yeah, it, it. it hit me like a freight train, really. Did you worry more than Ben or did Ben worry more than you, was it? Well, I think Ben was quite glad, really, because obviously COVID was getting serious at that stage. I mean, you know, I worked in the news and we talked about it every day and we could see it getting worse and worse every day. But it Mm. just suddenly, it's like one of those COVID graphs with the numbers, it suddenly spiked and things got really serious. So I think Ben was worried about me, but the worry was taken away by the fact that I was going to be at home and I was going to be safe. But obviously then all the questions started happening about hospital because, Mm. you know, the big thing for pregnant women, and it still is at the moment, and you're going to face this, and I'm sure it's a big concern for you, is that you have to do a lot of this on your own in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a big concern. Luckily, I was at the stage where Ben had been able to come to scans with me, but I had to go to quite a few of them on my own. Um, I developed preeclampsia. You mentioned that in the introduction, you know, I've made no secret of that, which complicated the pregnancy in its final stages. And because of the effects of preeclampsia, if you have what they call reduced fetal movement, so basically when the baby starts kicking, it sort of has a regular pattern. So my baby, little Ray, would kick at uh, four in the morning and then she'd go to town around tea time, 6pm, 7pm. And the midwife just said, you know, if you notice any changes, then you need to go to hospital because you're high risk because of your preeclampsia symptoms. So I would find myself, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night going into St. Thomas's Hospital. It was like a ghost town. It was so weird because obviously most of the hospital was shut down. Uh, it was only emergencies and, and real need um, that saw people go in there. So it'd be the dead of night. I'd be going up in an empty lift. It was really eerie. And then I'd have to be strapped up to a monitor and just wait to see if everything was OK. So it's all those kind of things mm. that you have to go through. And, you know, obviously the birth as well, partners, 
it varies from hospital to hospital, which is frustrating. You know, partners can't be with you for long stretches of, of the birth and labour. The NHS says it may be possible for you to pass the virus onto your baby before they're born. But when this has happened, the babies have got better and there's no evidence that coronavirus causes miscarriage or affects how your baby develops in pregnancy. Were you ever worried at all that you'd pass the virus on to Ray before she was born? Yeah, I was because I'm convinced I don't know I've not had any tests because I don't feel that I need to have a test they need to go Mm. for you know people that really need them that are really ill but um, I'm convinced I had it at the very start Ben had taken Teddy skiing before lockdown came in it was you know about a, a month before all of this happened and he came back with a really bad chest and had a bit of difficulty breathing and just put it down to a viral infection and I thought I was okay, and then I lost my sense of taste and smell for nearly six weeks. And at that point, it wasn't a known symptom. Mm. But I remember a producer from work messaged me and said, oh, how are you getting on, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I don't, you know, I think I'm unaffected, but so weird, I've lost my sense of taste and smell. And then literally three hours later, he said, we've just done an interview with a specialist, and we think this could be one of the new symptoms. So, of course, then you think, I feel okay, is the baby okay? So it's Mm. a watch and wait game, isn't it, really, in terms of nobody knows the effect on the baby. But in the end, everything I went through, preeclampsia, COVID, you know, all of that, she came out and she's so perfect, happy and healthy. Yeah. And you so had it, like, if you lost your sense of taste and smell. I know, that's the thing. That is the thing. And, you know, we do everything we can, even now, because obviously mm. my mum is in the vulnerable category still and she wants to see Ray. Uh, Teddy's at school. Uh, we want to look after Ray. So we're still very cautious about, you know, where we go, washing our hands, wearing masks, social distancing. We're on it. Yeah. Um because again, you still don't know enough about this virus to make to make rash judgments. Everything has to be a calculated risk. I yeah. Think. Do you think it's in any way dampened the experience or given you, I don't know, more anxiety about it all with all these kind of things happening in the world? I don't know. I mean, I sort of had this view of my the run up to my pregnancy being, you know, putting my feet up, reading magazines, meeting friends for coffee, and my maternity leave as well. Long, you know, lovely walks in the park. Oh, actually, tick, managed to do that one because you can do that <laughs> yeah. quite safely. Meeting up with my NCT group and all of that. But it's all been slightly taken away. My um, NCT group, I did something called Bump and Baby. It's all been done on Zoom. And they're a great bunch of people, but it's really hard it's to connect Zoom, with people. Right? For, yeah, it's still Zoom. Still Zoom. Doing it with your mates is weird. So meeting new people for the first yeah. time and talking about, you know, vaginas and birth and <laughs> tearing with with, with strangers yeah it, it, it was all a bit embarrassing but um we have met since in the park and things like that and we've we've been for coffee and they're great but all of us are just like god it's so weird it's not quite how we imagined no. it i was gonna say i have no idea how to put on a nappy or what to, i literally have no idea what to do you do. get taught about i don't know how you to do put on a nappy. You I think that's the idea right you get yeah. taught how to put on a nappy you get taught how to bath your baby oh, um good. yeah get taught how to breastfeed um One for you yeah bit of first aid in there as well good um yeah so no there's lots of practical things in there i definitely think you should sign up okay sold (laughs) um and i know baby showers and gender reveals aren't for everybody did you want one were you allowed to have a socially distant one um i wasn't really fussed about a baby shower until we went into lockdown and then i was like i really miss my mates actually (laughs) um so my friend zoe and henry they put on a virtual baby shower so it was on zoom and there were three slots so there was the early evening <laughs> slot. My mum was in that one. 
because as the slots went on, <laughs> things got a little bit more saucy. Um, <laughs> and then there was the uh, and then there was the evening slot, and then there was the late night slot. Oh, I love uh, it! But it was quite good. They kept everything to an hour max for each group because otherwise, it's like oh, God, we were all yeah, a bit tired of Zoom on, yeah. by then. Weren't yeah. we? So it was quite good that it was all timed, and that was really lovely. Um, so I felt like I got to see everyone before Ray came along. But it feels so weird that even though she's you know three months, oh, she still hasn't met so many of my friends uh, and family as well. It's crazy, which is you know for all social media's ills, um, the fact that you can put pictures out there and. People can share in her smiley little face. Yeah. And yeah, it's lovely. How soon were your families allowed to meet Ray? Well, it was weird during the pregnancy because obviously it was at the height of social distancing and no households mixing. Um, towards the end of my pregnancy, I was able to see my mum because, oh, gosh, I didn't see her for about three months and she only lives down the road from me in Essex, like oh. 40 minutes away. So that was really difficult. And then when we did meet up, it was in the garden. We were both wearing masks. I really wanted like I really wanted her to touch my bump because yeah. when we went into lockdown, I didn't really have that much of a bump. It just looked like I'd had a big pasta dinner, to be <laughs> fair. And by the end of, you know, my pregnancy, obviously the bump was quite big. We could meet up and I just wanted her to touch it. So of she course. wore gloves and touched my bump and Ray, the little minx, wouldn't <laughs> kick. Ah. So every time I went over to see her in the garden, I think I only saw her three times, Ray would not kick. And on the final visit, I got up to leave and I was like, I'm so sorry, mum, you know, this baby's got a mind of its own, just like its mother. Um, Ray got hiccups. And I was like, the baby's hiccuping. So mum was able to feel the hiccups. So that was really sweet. It's like Ray knew this was the final moment. I wasn't going to see my mum until the baby came into the world. Clever girl. Uh, Yeah, and mum felt the hiccups. So that was all difficult. And then after the birth... I mean, mum came over the next day. Okay, so mum had been yeah, mum had been shielding, gosh, since the start of lockdown, and yeah, my mum came over. But again, it was wearing masks, and uh, we took a, a calculated risk, really, because obviously. At that stage, we didn't know how it affected babies. Still don't really know, but, no. you know, it's grandma. Let's be perfectly but, honest, right? If it's my mum, my mum's coming over and she's going to grab that baby. My mum will be like <laughs> one of those zombies, just like beating down the door, breaking through the <laughs> yeah, window to will. get to that baby. <laughs> I mean, like, we have to be responsible, obviously. Yeah, but then there is an element that if everyone's being careful, yeah, of course. then you can, as you said, take a calculated yeah. risk. And, and my mum literally did not leave the house or her garden for months. She didn't go to the supermarket. She didn't go out for a walk. There is no way she was catching a whiff of COVID. She was going to see her grandchild come hell or high water. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> mum, yeah, mum was in the toughest lockdown of all. <laughs> was Ben allowed to be there at the birth? He was allowed to be there at what they call active labour. So I went into hospital on the Saturday because I had to be induced because of my preeclampsia because they deemed it would be safer for the baby to come out earlier rather than risk it being in there any longer. So I went in to be induced on the Saturday. Um, Induction, it turns out, wasn't for me. Uh, I had a weird feeling when I went into the hospital. I turned around to Ben and said, this baby is not ready to come out. I just don't feel like I'm ready to give birth. Uh, And it turns out I wasn't. So I was induced on the Saturday by the Tuesday still no movement I think I was two centimetres dilated and for those just getting into the pregnancy vibe you have to be about 10 centimetres dilated for the baby to come out so from Saturday to Tuesday there wasn't much movement was so we tried worried at this point no they weren't worried because they were the baby's monitored regularly while yeah. you're in there um so they weren't worried I was tired it was a heat wave hospitals are hot anyway I was in there on my own you're on a ward with other mums and it 
I kept joking with the midwife that every time she pulled the curtain back of a morning, the woman opposite me had disappeared. So during the <laughs> night, they'd been taken to the labour ward, yeah. had their baby, and I was still there. It was like I literally moved in St Thomas's. We talk about that time I went on a holiday to St Thomas's Hospital. <laughs> Um, nice weekend away. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was lovely. Uh, the the temperature was great. Um, <laughs> so by the Tuesday night, nothing had happened, and they just said, "Look, you know, you can go for another twelve hours, or you can have a C section." Which I really didn't want to do because, like you, Kate, I'm massively into my fitness, and you know, anyone that says a C section is the easy option, too posh to push. It's just simply not yeah. true because it's a major stomach operation. Some surgeons liken it to stab wounds, which, you know, <laughs> sounds dramatic, but it's true in terms of the level of intrusion and, and damage it mm-hmm. does to your stomach muscles. But at that point, I was so tired, so tired. I just signed the waiver and in we went. And she she came out literally from signing the form to her being put in my arms was about 40 minutes. And I now no. think... That's like a any- good Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and she came out hot and ready to <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. It was great. But if I knew then what my journey would have been like, I should have trusted my instincts because I just didn't feel ready to give birth. If I'd have trusted my instincts and known a bit more about what lay ahead, I'd have signed up for a C-section as soon as I went in. Because in terms of my recovery's been good, the surgeons did a great job, but I don't want to put anyone off having a C-section. It is major surgery. It is really serious. But actually, you know, you can recover well. And it was a good option for me in the end. How long did it take you to recover? Well, I think because of all of the training I did and I was fit and I had a very strong core, I was up and walking about the next day. And the nurses and the midwives were like, oh, gosh, you know, this is really good. So I went home in less than 24 hours. They signed me off. But, you know, some people can be in hospital for three to four days. It, it just depends. Everybody's different. But I think because I did a lot of weight training and I had a strong core and I was strong in other parts of my body, I was able to cope. You know, everybody reacts to it differently, but my recovery has been good. So like I said, I wish I'd signed up for it <laughs> five it's, days it's so earlier. Well, there's just so many unknowns, right? Because mm-hmm. you go, you know, if your plan is to give birth naturally... Mm. And they give you that option and you're like, no, I'm going to wait. But then you're waiting for three days. You're like, oh, fuck's sake. Yes, I will will do that. I could have saved three days. I went through every stage of labour in five days. So I feel (laughs) like I feel like I had a natural labour without the end result, if you see what I mean. Mm. You know, I had all the contractions, hip pain. They don't tell you you have pain in your hip and you have pain in your bum. Shooty bum pain. Like someone stabbing you up the arse? Yes. I get that like day to day without being pregnant. Oh, well, there you go. I've never had it before. So you're well prepared. Because we used to joke with Teddy. Teddy would come in when I was pregnant and go, I know how the baby comes out. And I'd go, oh, okay. Uh, You know, and he went, I know where it comes from. And I was like, okay. And he went, it's going to come out your bum. And we'd laugh. (laughs) And then when I was in the hospital, in my delirium, I was like, maybe he's right. (laughs) I didn't know your hips could hurt, your bum hurts. And also no Nobody tells you that when your waters break, they break for a long time. It's not like in the films, there's a sudden gush of water and that's it. They break for hours. So it's really interesting because yesterday I went for my uh, midwife appointment, mm. which was it's ahead of the 20-week scan. I was sat with the midwife and she said, any, any questions? And I said, I've always been really scared about giving birth out my tuppence and I'm considering asking for a C-section. Um, I've always felt like I would never be able to push a baby out my vagina. And she, we had this really long conversation and she said to me, 
you are over 40. So first of all, if you ask for a C-section, the midwives probably won't batter an eyelid because you are at risk of preeclampsia. And also they will have to induce you before you hit 39 weeks because they won't want the baby to be overdue. And then if you're induced and the baby doesn't come, that can be stressful for you. It can be stressful for the baby. She said, so there's all these complications that could happen. So a C-section will probably be the safest for you because of your age. And she said the amount of women who are in the middle of labour and we're losing the baby, the heartbeat is like that. And I can hear it and it's going. And we're saying, you need to have an emergency C-section. And they're like, no, I am not having a C-section. I want to push. And at that point, she said, it's re- it's really hard and difficult for a midwife to stand there knowing that the baby's dying. We just want to get the baby out. What's more important? You doing what you want to do or the, like your baby being alive? Well, for all the reasons you've just said, your personal reasons and what the midwife has told you, you know, you make your own judgment. And if you think a C-section is for you, 100% have it. No judgment from anyone else. There shouldn't be any judgment from anyone else. I just had this big thing of this may be my only baby. I really want to give birth naturally. Yeah. So when lockdown came in, I said, right, I'm having a home birth because I want to give birth naturally. I'm having a healthy pregnancy and I don't want to do this on my own. You know, it's my only baby. I want Ben there with me at every stage. I don't want to go into hospital on my own. Because at that stage, I think when I made that decision, there was a question mark over whether he'd actually be allowed to be in at birth. I mean, yeah. So that decision then ended up being taken away from me because of preeclampsia. And like you said, that can happen when you're in your 40s. And mine was really weird. It started out with protein in my urine, which is one of the symptoms, but it was the only symptom and it was a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate enough that I was in the position to have a private midwife. You know, it's the best money I've I've ever spent. And I was so lucky to get her because in lockdown, I think everybody had the same idea because midwife appointments were few and far between. They'd be over the phone, you know, all of that kind of thing. And she monitored me every week and it crept up and up and up. Like nothing else changed. I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have dizziness. I didn't have any of the other symptoms. It was a real Mm. mystery. So I had to be monitored quite heavily. And it got to the stage where my blood pressure did start going up. And they just said, you need to be induced because, you know, if this starts affecting the placenta of the baby, you know, it could be starved of oxygen. It affects growth. You know, it could affect the um, the heart. You could effectively lose the baby. It could be dangerous. And as soon as someone says that to you, your birth plan goes out the window. Your birth plan there is only as a guide anyway. I was always, you know, quite open to the fact that it might have to change because of COVID or physical conditions. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be induced. But I did have a laugh with one of my friends who had a planned C-section the day before I had my unplanned one. And the difference between our two <laughs> photos are incredible because the upside, the upside of having a planned C-section is you don't really break a sweat and you can go in with a nice blow dry, little, you know, little bit of makeup on. I, on the other hand, probably hadn't showered for three days. I'd been in labour for five. Oh I mean, obviously it was lockdown, so I haven't had my eyelashes tinted or my eyebrows done for ages. I was feral, basically. <laughs> so this photo that will never see the light of day, any close family members can see it. I just put my photo and her photo side by side and went, should have gone for the C-section. <laughs> should have gone for the C-section. You live and learn, don't you? <laughs> uh, the number of women getting pregnant over the age of 40 is almost double what it was 20 years ago, according to figures from the Office of National Stats. Nearly 29,000 middle-aged women in England and Wales had children in 2017, compared to just 14,500 in 1997. And there's a multitude of reasons why uh, women are waiting to have kids, building a career first, increased access to higher education and fertility treatments. I'm a bit of everything. I've enjoyed working, partying. 
just didn't want to settle down. What about you? I think I was the same, really. I always loved learning and work. I went to university, went straight into a job. And, you know, my broadcasting career fortunately took off. Um, And I had serious boyfriends. I had lots of serious boyfriends. And, you know, as time went on, people would say to me, oh, you really should think about having kids. I was like, no, I don't feel like I do. Mm. And people would immediately go, oh, well, you're focused on your career, aren't you? And it's it's such a lazy explanation. And I feel guilty because I went with it. So if people would say, oh, well, you're concentrating on your career, aren't you? I'd go, yeah, I am. Because I couldn't be bothered to explain to Mm. them how multifaceted life is in terms of well I do want children but maybe not now I really want to do it with the right person so I can create a family because there's nothing Mm. you know I haven't got an overwhelming urge to have children there's just so many reasons but I couldn't be bothered to explain it to people why should I Mm. and they had a lazy explanation for it and I was lazy for agreeing to it so for so long people always went, oh, SJ, you know, career girl, really focused. She probably won't have kids. And I always thought, well, actually, I might do. I just haven't met the right person. But I didn't mm. say that to people, which I probably should have done, I don't actually, think that's because- lazy, though. I think that's just... You, you just couldn't be bothered to tell everyone. Because well, that's it's the thing. none of their business, really, no. is it? Yeah. However, I feel like I should have spoken up for all the women out there who are getting that levelled at them. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's in her mid-30s, going to late-30s, hasn't got a boyfriend career is her career she chose a career and her cats I'm allergic to cats actually so um I just didn't feel like I wanted to explain to people so I just went yeah that's right yeah people jump to all kinds of conclusions my twin sister says I know why you don't want a baby because you're worried about your figure I was like are you joking like what I, I keep fit I'm a slim person I like, loved being pregnant and I, I didn't think I would because I I mean I never had you know the perfect body or anything but I was strong and you know I was comfortable in my own skin and comfortable in clothes and I thought I'm really going to struggle with being pregnant Mm. I loved it I really loved it and up until sort of the end when it was proper lockdown I kept fit I weight trained until lockdown started and when we were allowed our hours walk a day we went out walking when that upped I was out walking all the time I was really active when I was pregnant still in a different way but I just love being pregnant and how your body changed and you can be a fit pregnant person and it feels great it feels yeah. really good and also when your bump gets bigger it makes every other part of your body look really small <laughs> it's true <laughs> it's true apart from the boobs <laughs> now, obviously the longer we wait the more likely we are to face fertility issues i was told at the lister fertility clinic in the first season that my egg count was really low for my age mm-hmm. so that was a huge i think contributing factor to why we started trying when we did did you start trying and think to yourself right we've got a long road ahead of us or you feeling confident that it might happen and how long did it take you guys to conceive when we agreed that we were going to have a baby I initially thought okay we might be setting ourselves up for a bit of disappointment here because I was 41 and you know so many of my friends around me were freezing their eggs because they hadn't met the right person others were on IVF journeys others were struggling to conceive naturally and looking at Mm. all sorts of things like surrogates adoption so I was well aware that it is not easy to get pregnant. So we went to um, see a a fertility expert that was recommended by a friend of mine, Natalie, and um, just to get checked out because I thought, look, I don't want to... I'm obviously going to worry, but let's go go in armed with some facts. So I went in to get my sort of ovaries checked and like you did, your egg count. (laughs) And I'll never forget this um, doctor said to me, he was like, you know, scanning your ovaries and he went, oof, 
you have very fruity ovaries. <laughs> fruity? Fruity? I know. I've never heard that term before. Oh, well, as in they're so, bearing lots of fruit? So or... Yeah, I know. I mean, I thought they produced eggs, but clearly not. Yeah. Um, fruity ovaries. Fruity ovaries. What a term. It's like a carry-on film. Oh, um, my gosh. So... We we came out of there feeling really positive. But again, you know, there are so many different factors. You can have, you know, an abundance of eggs uh, and it's still not worked. You know, it's all about timing. Oh, there's, mm. You know, there's much to do with a man and his health as well. So we came away feeling slightly buoyed. And then we said, right, well, we'll start trying in our first fertile period, which was the next month. And uh, we got pregnant straight away. Wow. I know. <laughs> Top marksmanship. I mean, Sweet yeah. To ben. Ben's Ben's very proud of that. Yeah. Um, like you are as well. <laughs> but it's, you know, I mean, obviously, it's an overwhelming sense of relief. I think I was shocked because I just prepared myself for, because we both said, let's give it a year. Let's try mm-hmm. for a year and then explore other options if we need to. Or maybe we decide that we don't have kids because we've got Teddy and he's amazing. And how lucky are we to have him? Yeah. Um, so I was shocked. Then we were obviously over the moon. And then you go through this weird period where you almost feel guilty telling people how easy it was to get pregnant. Mm. And I struggled with that for a few months. And then a friend of mine said to me, you need to stop feeling guilty about getting pregnant so easily because you know it's actually a really inspirational story in terms of you know women over 40 are constantly told how difficult it is and yes it is for a large number of women and that is tough and you know I've got so much empathy for them but it can happen naturally and I just think that some women in their 40s go in in a sense of panic and doom and going on a journey to start a family shouldn't start like that so my advice to anyone thinking about getting pregnant in in later life is go in armed with some facts so always go and get yourself checked out yeah and yeah we went into it with a positive mind frame as well and boom well it sounds like you navigated pregnancy like a boss <laughs> oh i um, tried i couldn't have done it without ben and you two honestly you're in this together it's an incredible journey i thought you were giving us credit for your pregnancy there. i was going to say <laughs> well it has been hard but yeah but no it's you know if you've got a good partner and that's why i held out for so long because it is difficult it is amazing it's all of these emotions it's all of these things and to share it with the right person is honestly it's given me goosebumps just thinking about it so you two are going to boss it as well can i ask any advice for dads <laughs> being um, me. any advice for dads um just be very tolerant of baby brain i mean i'm still well i've still got it three months on and ben literally has to bite his knuckles sometimes because he'll just ask things like where did you put so and so and i'll go oh um i think i put it on oh, in the spare room and he'll come down and go it's not there and i go i know it's on the hallway table <laughs> you know just silly things like that like my I've baby brain is off the chart so just be patient yeah. yeah, be patient. Like be when patient. you told me, when you said to me the other day, I told you this, and I was like, you didn't. You never told me. You probably did. <laughs> it would be fine <laughs> if you could actually admit that I had told you and you'd forgotten instead of you insisting that I hadn't told you. That's oh my fine. God, this is like looking at my relationship. Yeah. And also your memory is terrible. You're like, uh, what's that um, What's that fish in Finding Dory or whatever? <laughs> Finding Nemo. No, it's Dory the fish. In yeah. fact, see, I can't even do yeah. it now. Yeah. Right, we'll let you get back to baby Ray, who's Aww. at home. Who's looking after her today? Grandma. Okay. I think grandma's probably locked the door and probably not allowed in. She is obsessed. Is this the first grandchild? It is, yeah. Oh, wow. okay. 
So right. um, again, like everybody else, I think she thought that I would never get around to having kids and never meet the right person. So it is, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible for her. As she said, she is worth the wait. What did your mum say when you told her you were pregnant? She just burst into tears. I don't, I don't think she spoke for about five minutes. She just burst into tears and sobbed. And I was like, anything else <laughs> just tears okay I think they're happy tears uh yeah I mean she never put any pressure on me to have kids we never really mention it but yeah when she cried I could tell that it was something that had been pent up inside her for you know 20 years or whatever do you miss Ray when you when you're gone and you're recording a podcast or is the rest quite nice um, <laughs> well, yeah I mean do you know what I feel guilty for saying this but no it's really weird because I'm out of the house. I know I'm out of the house for three, maybe four hours today. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm really going to miss her. But I think because I'm doing something that means I have to engage my brain and string sentences together. Hopefully, mum sent her some pictures, although I left her for the first time yesterday. <laughs> and I had to text my mum and go, everything OK? And she just texts back and put, fine. I was like, <laughs> this is going to be like my pictures? Mom. Like, literally, radio silence. I saw yeah. this on her Instagram stories. And her mum is like, your mum. She literally put the word fine. His mum <laughs> yeah. is a woman of few words. You're like, it's just still and, alive. And then you take a picture and it'd be like a blurred picture yeah, across say, the room. Today, she's been better. Just as I walked into the studio, she sent me a blurry picture of Ray. I think she's on a changing mat <laughs> on the floor. I, I can't, but there's definitely a baby in that picture. Hopefully it's mine. Well, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Wait, wait, before go we go, I've got Ooh. something for you guys. What? what? I've got you a little present. I'm sorry oh about word. the wrapping. Oh, I mean, I, it's like Ray, actually, Ray's wrapped it. I haven't wrapped yeah. it. There you go, the wrapping's so bad. It's just a little something. It's a, um, something positive because I think, you know, giving birth at this time is really weird and you've got to take the positives out of lockdown and COVID and this is definitely one of them. Can I just say this is immensely neatly wrapped. I don't know what she's on about. You've never seen my wrapping. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good Let's well have wrapped. a look. Something for the nursery. Oh, it's Captain Tom Moore. Is this the kids book that he's written? Yeah, this Aww. is, well, this is the kids book um, that's all about inspirational figures. So, Aww. you know, Rosa Parks, Sir David Attenborough and they've literally just brought one out about Sir Captain Tom Moore and it's one of those things where he's been such a symbol of everything that's positive about what's been going on so I think this should be one of the first books in your nursery to remind you of the time you know what we'll do because apparently we have to start reading to the little baby now so I'll read that to the bump today Little People Big Dreams Captain Tom Moore thank you so much what a lovely we bought you an orange juice and an Anzac biscuit (laughs) I'll take anything I can get now all the presents are for Ray I never get anything Well, wasn't she just a ray of sunshine? A ray of sunshine. Hold on, wait. Get it? Listen. Her baby's called Ray. We have our defined roles on this podcast. Forget and, it, And then. the shit jokes come from me. Forget it. So don't, don't be stepping that on my... That wasn't a shit joke. Don't be it. stepping on my toes. It's a good joke. She was fantastic. Honestly, it was... What's great is when you have guests that are really eye-opening and because we're so naive, that's all of them. Um, <laughs> and she... Just, just hearing all the things that she went through and her and Ben went through, I kind of know what's coming. Yeah, she's a good talker, great storyteller. Well, she's right. a broadcaster, isn't she? Very articulate. I'm Imagine. a broadcaster and I can't articulate no, myself. you can. I sound like a kind of moron <laughs> next to you two. When we, when we listened to that back, I was like, oh God, really exposing my lack of radio expertise. Anyway, hope you enjoyed listening. If so, and you haven't already, the biggest way to show your appreciation is to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We're not interested in four-star reviews. I'll tell you what, there's a pizza place in Northern Ireland called Four Star Pizza. I don't know why they didn't go with five. They're just like, <laughs> we're good. 
But we're not we're not that good. Are you joking? No, no, seriously. Four star pizza, big old the Northern Irish crew. That's dear one, so it is. I won't do the impression. Um I love this recent review from Joe Marie who said, Really love listening to Maybe Baby. Makes me laugh out loud on my walks and puts a smile on my face for the rest of the day. I look forward to Sundays way more than I used to. That's lovely. Cultural impact. There's another one there if you want to read I'll it. I'll read one, yeah. Gina Millard wrote a super sweet review as Hi, well. Gina. Hi Gina. As a dog mum, a cat mum, and a late-to-the-party boy mum, I've massively enjoyed this podcast from the beginning. It's real life, it's hilarious, and it gets you in the feels. I wish you guys all the best. You're going to continue to be the amazing parents you already are. I think you're overestimating how good we are at being parents. Oh, great dog parents. That's what I will say. Yeah. I'm confident that I'm a great dog mum. Cheers, Gina. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you to everybody else who left reviews. Should we read that one that was like, one star? It's totally pointless now because she's pregnant. <laughs> Why bother moving on? Everyone must always stay the same as ever. So. All right, we've got to skedaddle, but we're back next week and episode seven is a big one. It's the gender reveal. Do you like that reverb? I really did. I'm gonna, Epic. I'm going to go to bed tonight dreaming of your reverb. Bit weird. Anyway, you're going to find out if it's a boy poop nugget or a girl poop nugget. Who knows? You decide. You don't decide. That was Bodge's sperm that decided. Bodge. Also, thank you so much to everyone who's emailed us. We promise to try and reply to as many of you as we can. But if you've not received an email from us just yet, we've not forgotten about you. We will be responding very soon. That's right. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line at maybebabycast at gmail.com. And a big thanks once again to the lovely Sarah Jane Mee. Just a fabulous guest to speak to you this week. And I love that she bought us that book by Sir Captain Tom Moore, which guess what? He still hasn't read to the poop nugget. Well, hold on. If I wasn't sorting out the entire house renovation and also everything else that's going on, maybe... Cut me some slack. Right, we're gonna go and have a row. Have a great week. Bye. 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 Bye.